You guys look spectacular. Wow. I mean, man, I am so sad that I am not the one getting to preach today. I am serious. Like, I, I'm telling Pastor Ray, I don't know, brother. Listen, I got my iPad right here. Listen, I didn't prepare anything, but I got some, I got a record. I got a, a, a file of, of sermons. I might just go for it. And, uh, and um, man, but it would, be, it would be selfish because the only reason I wish I was preaching is I never get to preach to everybody at once like this anymore. And uh, I just feel the Holy Spirit here, and I'm so grateful for the move of God among us. Aren't you grateful for the freedom of the Holy Spirit to move and to minister? Man, man I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted right now. <laughs> You guys look so good. You sound great. You know, I don't, I don't play an instrument very often, and uh, I, can, I, I say this from a place of joy, so don't take this as a complaint. Um, I actually struggled to hear correctly in the monitors because you guys were singing so loud, and uh, it, was, it was beautiful. It was wonderful, and come on, give yourselves a hand. I think you, come on, brag on yourself for a little bit. It was good. It was so good. Uh, but today, uh, we got a lot going on, and one of the things happening today is we have a, an incredible guest with us who is here to share uh, from his heart about a ministry which is no stranger to our church called Priority One. Last year, uh, Pastor Randy Carter came and gave us the challenge to raise $10,000 for Priority One. And, and if you have been part of our Lifehouse Church for very long, you would know that that, that is something that is, uh, a, th that kind of money and that us being able to be part of giving that much to missions has really been far from possible for us. I think before that service, I'm going to look at my wife for affirmation. I want to say in the neighborhood of about $3,000 is the most we had ever given towards a single missionary or missions project. But he came in and uh, against my better judgment, he issued the challenge to us to give $10,000. And, um, and, and so I assumed either it's God or it's the devil, but we're just going to pretend it was the Lord. Uh, with Pastor Andy, it can go either way. Um, but I can say that about him because the same goes for me. <laughs> And you know it's true. Um, but Lifehouse, you stepped up and you gave last year over $13,000 to Priority One. Now, if, if you're new, if this is new to you, you might ask, well, why do you do this? Well, because the gospel isn't just for us. That's why we do this, because being part of the body of Christ means being part of the global body of Christ. It means joining arms and locking arms with people that we may never meet in this life, but saying, hey, we want to invest in what is going on in Africa. We want to invest in what is going on all around the planet. At Lifehouse, we are privileged, not obligated, privileged to partner with almost 30 different missionaries. And every single month, whether you give to missions or not, our church sends thousands of to missions every single month. And I made the commitment to our board. Oh, listen, I'm not preaching, but I'm preaching a little bit. I made the commitment uh, as a pastor to our board and to our church when we became the pastors in 2017 that before we pay the electric bill, before we pay any salaries, we will fulfill our missions commitments and what we've and, and even then we increased our missions commitment and I I'm here to tell you that because of your I want to say generosity and that's true but I think an even stronger word and more accurate word would be because of your obedience to the scriptures and to the Holy Spirit to give we have always been able consistently every single month to pay electric bills praise the Lord for that right We've been able to every single month, and I'm and listen to, to pay salaries, not just mine, but all across the board. Hey, and God willing, that's gonna we're gonna bring new people on. We're gonna make people for part time, right? Praise the Lord for that. So we've been able to do that, and we've been able to give every single month since I've been the past year, almost six years, to missions and see that increase every year over year. What did we give last year? Over about fifty thousand dollars. You just go with it, okay? She said, "I don't know for sure." Um, 
I want to, I, I, I really do believe you, not, not me, but you last year as a church gave over $50,000, which was more than a hundred percent increase from the year before to missions. And so I, I'm proud of you and I'm thankful to be part of that. And I'm thankful for Pastor Randy. In addition to uh, being a representative pro for Priority One, he is a dear friend. He is a, a mentor and dare I say, even a spiritual father in my life. Uh, he speaks life into me. He encourages me. He, he makes me think I'm better than I am. But, but that's really, that's what, you're, that's what we're supposed to do with one another. Uh, we believe those things that are not as though they were. We, we speak things into existence into people. Jackie Robinson said that the, baseball, the best baseball manager is not the baseball manager that tells a player how it is. The best baseball manager is the manager that tells a player how it can be, how it could be. And Pastor Randy is that voice in my life who continues to uplift me, to encourage me. And I'm so thankful to have him and Nancy here today. Lifehouse, can we, can we stand to our feet and give them an ovation of honor this morning as we welcome them to the platform? Wow, I didn't know who he was talking about. So. <laughs> Do I look like Drew this morning? <laughs> My mother, seriously, is in the emergency room right now in Middle Tennessee in Murfreesboro. It's been a bad week, been in and out four times. But uh, if she saw me dressed like this, it would push her over the edge. So this stays between us, okay? It's an old man trying to be relevant, all right? So uh, we'll see how that goes. Nancy's sister is in the ER in California. How you know it's been a rough week? This, your worship team, uh, of course, Don is gone, and we're glad that they get to go on vacation. And thank God, and we thank the Lord for his training other people. And uh, what a great team. Lori is hurt this morning. Lots of things. So we're just going to pray and ask the Lord to do some miracles so that our minds, my mind, can be clear. Can we do that? Amen. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. A lot of things, Lord, a lot of things um, that press against us and uh, try to weigh us down. But you told us that we could cast all of our cares on you because you care for us. Thank you for that, Lord. You've shown that care over and over and over and over again throughout our lives. So we lift up mom, pray that you'll help the doctors to know how to treat her. We lift up my sister-in-law, Chris, Lord. We lift up uh, Lori, Lord. We ask that you touch each and every one of these. And there are needs in this room, Lord, that are pressing heavy on the minds of the people that sit here. Lord, we do exactly what we said. We just cast our cares. Can you just mentally, maybe even physically, just practice that casting your cares on the lord casting your cares not holding on to them but casting your cares lord thank you that your assurance is that you care for us and we rest in that in jesus name and everybody said amen amen, amen. well today i do want to uh, say thank you for last year that was amazing when i challenged the church to give we originally had agreed we challenged the church for 6,000 last year. And then I got up here and got anointed and 10,000 slipped out. And uh, I don't know if that was the anointing or the annoying. And uh, he was not happy with me. But y'all outdid everything and uh, gave 13,000. Because of that, you helped build a church planning school in Tanzania. And because of that, and because of that, there are pa churches probably 30 to 40 new churches have been planted in Tanzania in the last year because of Lifehouse. So we give you praise for that. And last year the message was perhaps. And we challenged you from Jonathan saying to his armor bearer, uh, let's go over and fight against the Philistines. Perhaps, remember that? I hope you remember. Act like you remember it, all right? All right, perhaps the Lord will be with you. And you stepped out on a perhaps 
and God stepped up in a great way. Today, I come with two words, so it's going to be twice as long, all right? I've been listening to Pastor Drew. I will be shorter than him, but it's going to be long anyhow. I, uh, two words, and the two words for today are so that. Everybody say so that. So that. They come from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 and 11, 8 through 11. And here it is out of the New International Version. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Can we just say thank God for that? And how many, can I get a witness? God is able to bless us. If, if that's true, raise your hand. We could go home right with that there. God is able to bless you abundantly so that, so that the promise is God is able to bless you. The purpose is so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Here's another promise. You will be enriched in every way so that, the promise you'll be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The promise in verse 8, God's abundant supply. The purpose, so that you can abound in every good work. The promise in verse 11, you'll be enriched in every way. The purpose, so that you can be generous. What the Lord is saying to LifeHouse today is that you are blessed on purpose for a purpose. You are blessed on purpose for a purpose. We are blessed to be a blessing. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received. Can we give testimony to that? We've received from the Lord, freely give. Some may say, well, I don't feel blessed. But I, when I hear that, I think of that old song. Y'all don't sing it because it wasn't written yesterday. But that old song, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. God has blessed us. God has blessed us. And gratitude flows out of a grateful heart. Gratitude flows out of a grateful heart. I remember one time when our oldest, uh, we had had an incredible weekend. We were pastoring in Kentucky at the time. This is uh, probably 35 years or so ago. And we had left Kentucky and gone to my parents in Middle Tennessee. And when we did that, we drove through Nashville and went to the old Opryland theme park when it was still open because we had season tickets. Then we went to mom and dad's. We had a picnic. We went out to the lake. They got to ride the four-wheeler. They got to ride the tractor. They got to do all kinds of stuff. On the way back through, we stopped at Opryland for another couple hours. They got to do the rides. We went home on church. After church on Sunday morning, we all went out to eat. It was a wonderful time. Went back to church on Sunday night. And after church, she said, I want to go to Dairy Queen. And I said, we can't. We, we're going to go home. We've had a busy week. She said, no, I want to go to Dairy Queen. I said, we can't. And she said this, I never get to do anything. <laughs> Just like her dad. And, uh, you know, I, I have to remind myself sometimes just how much God has blessed us. And then I have to remind myself of why he's blessed us. He's blessed us on purpose, for purpose. Psalms 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Everybody say that. Forget not. Don't forget the benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, heals your diseases, redeems your life from destruction, crowns your, uh, you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your youth with good things, so that, so that, those two words again, your youth is renewed like the egos. You know, you're blessed to be at LifeHouse this morning. You're left to, you're blessed to live in the, in, in, in the nuclear city where you all glow a little bit more than the rest of the country. <laughs> You're blessed to be, uh, to have Pastor Drew and Kristen. You're blessed to have Kristen as your pastors. You're, you're, and, and you're blessed, you're blessed to be rich. Did you realize almost everybody in this room 
compared to the rest of the world's rich. If you have an average income of just under $35,000, which almost everybody here does, when you combine both incomes, you are in the top 1% of the world. And may I dare to say it on Memorial Day weekend, you're blessed to be an American. You're blessed to be in this land of freedom. It may be messed up, but it's still the greatest nation on the face of the earth. I've been on probably 45 mission trips now, and the first thing I do every time I come back is bow down and kiss the ground. Well, I would if I could get, I just don't know if I can get back up anymore. But, but I love this nation, and I thank God. The very first missions trip that Nancy and I ever took was in 93. Is that right? She's the date, people. 92. All right, I got corrected. And uh, we went to Romania. And we went there. Ceausescu, the evil communist dictator, had been overthrown just a couple of years before. And uh, when he was overthrown and the Western world came in, what they discovered in the orphanages was beyond belief. One of a, a Kentucky photographer went over there and documented that, and the world stood in horror and disbelief. And we got to go, and just a couple of years later, and visit those orphanages. And while we were there, we stayed with a young Romanian couple that had yet come to know the Lord. And Donna was her name. Donna had learned to speak English by watching American television. How many know she had some interesting words, all right? You know, and this is in 92, all right? And, uh, and she's, she's talking with Nancy, and she had a burning question she had to have answers to. And the question was, who shot Bobby? Her favorite show was Dallas. She thought all Americans lived at South Fork and acted like that. And we go, no, 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 it's not who shot Bobby, it's who shot J.R., she goes, no, I know who shot J.R., who shot Bobby. We didn't even know about Bobby. We felt terrible. But as the week went on, the conversations grew a little more deeper, a little more intimate. And on the night before we left, she looked at Nancy, and she asked her, Nancy, why were you born in America and me here in Romania? And, you know, you think, well, how do you answer that? Well, that's because where Mama was, you know. I don't, I mean, that, but, but that question haunted us. And it, we've never been able to get, that's many years ago now, but we've never been able to get past that question. Why were we blessed to be born here in America? And she was born, we were born to freedom and prosperity. She was born to dictatorships and cruelty and poverty. Why? And one, one time, last fall, someone came up and shared this verse. I'd shared that story. And they shared this verse with me, and it touched my life in a profound way. Acts chapter 17. Acts 17, verses 26 and 27. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. Listen to this. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. In fact, God looked at you. What's your name? Peyton, Manning, I, I, love your, I love your game. He looked at Peyton, and he said, Peyton, I, I've marked your times. In, in the year, yes, last year, because you're very young, you were, you were created to be born in Oak Ridge. Were you born in Oak Ridge? Sure, wherever. Peyton, very receptive to this, you know. But he's saying, all right, he looked at me and he said, Randy Carter, I want you to be born on November 12th, 1952 in Detroit, Michigan to the, to the parents Nell and Boyd Carter. And then it tells us why he did that, why he ordained our appointed time in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this, listen to this, so that. And that, those words keep coming up. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. God allowed me to be born in this country to my parents so that I would have the opportunity to reach out to him. I remember the house, the first house that I remember living in, 1821 Philomene in Lincoln Park, Michigan, and two, two, two or three houses away, there was a massive Baptist church. 
And if you went around the corner, there was a Catholic church. And if you went around the corner, there was a Methodist church. There was churches within walking distance, every which way you went. There were Christian radio stations. There were Christian TV stations. Why? Because God wanted to make it possible that I would have every opportunity in the world to hear the changing, life-changing message that Jesus died on a cross, paid for my sin, gave me the opportunity at New Life, and then he wanted me to share that message with the world. God has purposed that we be born in this nation so that we can hear the gospel, so that we can then take the gospel to the world. Now, here's one thing I refuse to do. I've heard missionary guests come and almost make you feel guilty for being born in America. I refuse to be feel, feel guilty. I thank God for the freedoms. Thank God for what he's blessed my life with. But I also accept the responsibility. I was privileged so that I can take the gospel to the world. So that living recognizes the reason we've been blessed. Let, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Just keep your Bibles open there. Because there are five or six different times in these two short chapters that that phrase, so that, appears. And I've learned in my Bible study that when a phrase like that appears over and over, it's because God's trying to say something to you. And he spoke to me, and I believe he wants to speak to Lifehouse today. So I want to give you four or five characteristics of so that living. So that living. And the first one is this. So that living goes all in. So that living goes all in. Say all in with me. All in. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. And they exceeded our expectations. Paul's bragging on them. They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves. Everybody say themselves. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. They exceeded our expectations. They didn't just give money first they gave themselves before they ever gave a dime to help spread the gospel before they ever get, get, they before they ever responded to a missionary call they gave themselves they went all in they gave everything that they had i like the way the message paraphrases it, it says this was totally spontaneous totally spontaneous entirely their own idea and it caught us completely off guard what explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly. That's what God wants, unreservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. When you give yourself all that you are, all that you have, when you give yourself, then their giving of finances just automatically flows from that. And let me tell you, what the Lord wants today is not your money. Let me say that. I want to make that clear. I'm preaching about giving today. We're going to challenge you to give $100,000. <laughs> Just wanted to see if he'd fall off the end of the chair. We're going to challenge you to help us in Burkina Faso. But what God wants is not your money. Because here's the truth. You can give your money and still hold back part of yourselves. And what God wants is you. Not a part, but all of you. He's not looking for you to give at the end of a service and, or fill out a pledge card and go home feeling good about yourself. He wants you to go all in. God wants your heart. He wants your time. He wants your career. He wants your gifts, your talents, your relationships. He wants your obedience. He wants your dreams. But he doesn't just want the good stuff. He wants the junk too. He wants your doubts and your fears. He wants your hurts and your pain, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Whatever there is in your life, God wants you to bring it to him. Bottom line is this. What God wants and what it means to go all in is to live a life where our, we have an unqualified yes to anything he asks, anytime he asks it. That's what it means to go all in. Yes, Lord. We don't have to pray about it. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to debate it. It's just yes. If you ask me, then it's yes. I had the privilege last fall of going to Muncie, Indiana, where I was a youth pastor like over 40 years ago. Were you born yet, Peyton? No, I don't think so. No. Your parents weren't even born yet, probably. But 
But I, I, it was so fun to go back because I love this church. I hadn't been there in over 35 years. And when I got there, I had people coming up in wheelchairs and on canes and saying to me, Pastor Randy, I was in your youth group. <laughs> you know, it was a very humbling, very humbling time. And, and in preparation for that, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was not a good youth pastor because I didn't know anything about youth ministry. I grew up in a church of three youth, I mean, a very tiny church, and one of them was my brother. So I couldn't stand a third of the youth group to begin with, you know, I, at that point in my life. And, but, but, there was, but there was one teaching that we did over about a six-week period that touched their lives. And by the way, one of the guys that was in my youth group is now the pastor there. Awesome, done an awesome, awesome job. It's a great church. And that teaching was on how to know the will of God. Because everybody wants to know that question. How do you know the will of God? And in thinking about that, the Lord brought back to my mind a story that I want to share with you. It was about a businessman that made a commitment to the Lord. And he was so excited to be a believer that, that he decided he was going to go all in. He was going to give everything he had to God. And so he took a legal pad and he sat in his chair and in his office and, and everything that he could think that the Lord could possibly want, anything good in his life, he wrote it down. I'm willing to give this. I'm willing to give that. I'm willing to do this. I'll go anywhere at any time. And he, and he just filled, he filled up three pages on his legal pad. And at the bottom of it, he signed it. And then he went to the church when no one was there in the afternoon. And he walked into the worship center and he walked down front to the altar and he knelt and he placed that on the altar saying, Lord, this is what I'm willing to do for you. And the Lord responded. He felt like the Lord said, I'm impressed. And he felt good about himself. And then he heard the Lord say, now rip it up. He goes, Lord, I don't understand. You, you said you're impressed. I, is there something I've left off? What, what? He said, rip it up. And so the man ripped it up. And then the Lord spoke to him and said, now take a blank piece of paper, sign your name at the bottom and let me fill it in. That's what God wants from each and every one of us, to go all in, to say an unqualified yes to him. Because if one gives himself first to the Lord, all other giving is easy. You say, well, how will I know when I've given my all, when I've given my eternal yes? Your attitude towards giving will change. Your attitude towards giving will change. Here Paul writes to the Corinthian church in eight, chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, and he gives four attitudes that change. Let me give them to you really, really quickly. Number one, giving is a privilege, not an obligation. I say, it wasn't Pastor Drew. It was um, George over here. <laughs> my, my, is it DJ, EJ, BJ? George. Billy Bob, my friend Billy Bob, said, it's, we, don't, we don't have to give, we get to give. And that's an attitude. 2 Corinthians 8, 4, they urgently, listen to this, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege. They didn't see giving. Oh, man, they're going to take an offering and everybody's going to look to see who gives what. I got to give something. No, they saw it as a privilege. They begged the Lord. Secondly, they desired to excel in giving, not just to do the minimum. One of the other questions that I get, I always get questions about as a pastor, how do I know God's will? Another question that I got all the time over 40 years of pastoring was, do you tithe on the net or the gross? And I always said, do you want a net or a gross blessing? It's up to you. You know, it's, it's really up to you. Your attitude decides. But here's 2 Corinthians 8. But since you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Those that have gone all in, those that have said an eternal yes, they don't just do the minimum. You know, I know people that will write out their tithe check to the penny. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if that's you, you may just be obsessive compulsive. I don't know. But, but it's always funny to me. 137.34. Well, you know, instead of just right making it 138, it's easier to subtract in your checkbook if you'll do that. But they, they want to give. They, wanna, they, don't, they want to fulfill. Look, 
when you've gone all in, it's not a matter of fulfilling an obligation. It's a matter of excelling in our giving. Thirdly, they were eager to give. 2 Corinthians 9, 2, For I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year in Achaia, uh, you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. They were eager. You know, one of the things that used to bug me as a pastor, I guess I can say it because I'm not a pastor anymore, and I'm, I'll be at a different church next week, and Drew will have to take care of this mess. So, so But one of the things that would bug me, people would say, Pastor, the worship was flowing so beautifully today, and you ruined it by taking an offering. And what I wanted to say, and now I get to say, is that if offerings ruin the worship service, it wasn't a worship service. Because worship is not about music. Worship is about going all in. Worship is about giving to God whatever, not just the words of our voice, but the, the bills in our pocketbook. Worship is about giving ourselves as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And then finally, their fourth characteristic, they understood the joy of giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 17, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, every Sunday growing up, the pastor would read a scripture before he'd take the offering, and about every other Sunday, it would be this scripture. He's saying, God loves a cheerful giver, and then he'd talk about that means hilarious, and we should have joy in giving, and then he says, God won't take it from a grouch. And then he'd pause. Anybody say, but I will. <laughs> well, I can say to you today, God won't take it from a grouch. Your pastor will, priority one will, but God wants a cheerful giving, giver. And you know what? There is a point where you can get, you know, we used to get, they used to motivate us. <laughs> and it was it had strange motivation. They'd get up and they'd go, give until it hurts. What's that all about? Twist my arm. No, it's not hurting enough. A little more. No, you give until it feels good. And some of you may have never given to missions before. Some of you may have never tithed before. And I can understand if you weren't, my parents taught me, Nancy's parents taught her, from the time we were children, from the time we earned our first dime, a penny went to the Lord. We were just raised that way, so, so it was always easy for us. But if you've never been taught that way and you've come to know the Lord, it doesn't make sense from a natural standpoint that 10%, you're already struggling, and now the pastor stands up and says that 10% belongs to the Lord. It, it can hurt, but I'm telling you, when you go all in, you'll go beyond the pain to the joy. Number one, so that living goes all in. Number two, so that living is personal and proportional. At the end of this service, we're not asking you to give a certain amount. We're asking you to give as the Lord leads you. As the Lord leads you, not as he leads someone else. Because God deals with us on a personal and a proportional basis. What do I mean? Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 12. For if the willingness is there... The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. God is, God is asking you to give out of what he's given to you, not out of what he hasn't given to you. For instance, uh, early in this year, I'm, at last year we had the same thing. David Green, owner of Hobby Lobby, uh, gave a million dollars to help us in um, Brussels, Belgium, a half million and a half million in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And we're very thankful for that gift. But a few weeks ago, I'm preaching in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, over in the south part of, southwest part of Middle Tennessee, in a, in a church in Lawrenceburg. And this, I see this kid come up at the end of the first service. I'm talking to a guy, and he's waiting patiently, standing off to the side. And uh, when we're done talking, he comes up, and he goes, Man, the Lord, Lord touched my heart today, and he, he pulled out a $20 bill, and he handed it to me. He said, I wish I could do more, but he said, that's all I have. I want to tell you, 
God's heart was just as stirred, if not more stirred, by that $20 as he was by that million dollars. I found out the kid's story. He'd gotten saved in the youth group just a few weeks before that. Didn't know anything about God or giving beforehand. But God touched his heart and he gave everything he had. Jesus told a parable one time about a, about a, a lady, that, about some people giving in the temple that gave large amounts. And then about a lady that came in and gave two cents. Gave two cents and the Lord said this, she's given more than all the others put together because they gave out of their wealth, but she gave everything she had. What I'm telling you today is that what you have to offer is never too small or too insignificant. And don't allow yourself to fall prey to the lie that says, if you can't go big, don't go at all. God wants you to listen to him and to respond to him the Lord might be asking you to give of your time to walk across the street and invite your neighbor to one of the incredible services here at Lifehouse. Then give that to him. God might be speaking to you to open your home to host a small group. Then give your home for his use. He might be asking you to serve in the nursery. Uh-oh, now I've gone to meddling, huh? You know how many babies you have in this church? This is a fertile church. <laughs> when Nancy and I were first married, we started 40 years ago. July 10th will be 40 years ago. We started Day Spring Assembly. And in the first five years, we had 50 babies born. And I think you guys are about to surpass us. And, but here's the thing. Somebody's got to take care of those babies. Lord, send someone to the nursery. Send someone, the guy over there on the left. So literally, send them, Lord. No, he may be saying, I want you to say yes. Because giving is not just about money. Giving is about our time. It's about our heart. It's about our serving. And God is asking you to give, asking you to give this morning. L let me share with you the need that, I, that you'll be giving towards this year. And I'm trying to hurry, and I'll guarantee that I'll be done sometime. Okay, I just got back about a month ago from Burkina Faso. It was my second trip. We went the same time, the end of April last year. And like many African nations, there's a war for the spiritual souls of the, of the people. Burkina Faso is in the northwest corner of Africa. Ghana's to the south. Uh, the uh, Ivory Coast borders it. Uh, uh, Mali is to the north, and some radical Muslims are coming in from Mali and trying to scare and intimidate people to accept the Muslim way of life. We, we support six Bible schools at, at Priority One there, and the Muslims have destroyed already one of those schools. But because of people like you and your faithful giving, we, we rebuilt the school. I got to be there just a few weeks ago for a graduation. We didn't know it, but they had 50 armed soldiers in the, in the bushes protecting us while we were there because of the threat from the Muslim church. Last fall at the main Bible college, there are six, but the largest one is in Kubri, a little city not too far out of the capital. And, uh, and they had 2,500 applicants for, to, to be trained for ministry. 2,500 young Burkina Faso couples that said, we want to come and be trained. But they only had room for 150. They were able to put a few others in some other schools scattered throughout the country. But well over 2,000 willing, called people that said, we want to do this. We want to reach our nation. But there was no room, no room in the end, so to speak. And so today, I want to challenge you to help us build some dorms. Now, we can build a dorm room for $2,500. Last year, it was $2,000. It's gone up. We found out we, were un we weren't quite right. It should have been a little more than that. Now we know it's $2,500. That's with the students doing all the labor. That just buys the material. And that, what that builds is a 9 by 15 room. Think about that. Most of your bedrooms are that size or, or bigger. Nine by 15, 
and an entire family lives in that because most of the students in Burkina Faso Bible Colleges are married couples because they don't allow single men to pastor. They don't allow uh, single people to pastor at all. There are a few being trained and hopefully will get married, but most of them are a family. How many, how many is in your, right here, how many is in your family? Three? Can you imagine three of you living in a nine by 15 room and all you have is a couple of electrical outlets? There's no running water. There's no toilets. There's no kitchen. That's all outside. I want to show you some pictures, and I want to challenge you to help us. I, I, I want to believe that maybe you guys could build a five-room dorm today. That'd be 12,500. Could we see those pictures now? I'll explain them as you put them up. Are they up? Oh, there they are. This is a dorm that we just dedicated. This is a, a dorm that is for single guys uh, because they do have some. And so in that 9 by 15 room, they'll put 10 to 15 guys. 10 to 15 guys. Look how happy they are. Just go to the next one. That's Sam Johnson, right? These are the wives of a recent graduation, all dressed out in their assembly of God do. Go on to the next one. All right, this is, this is another picture of that dorm. Just keep going. These are the graduates from the Bible college. I had the privilege of preaching 130-some graduates at Kubri. Out of all six Bible colleges, they'll graduate 500. They've already, all the graduations have taken place now. Out of the, out of the 500, 80% of them will plant churches. That means 400 new churches because of the Bible schools. Keep going. Keep going. There's some of the ladies, and we're dedicating another building. I just love their colorful dress. Keep going. There's some guys taking pictures. There's some more. There's some more pictures. There's, there's the Sam Johns. This is Dr. Jepte, right? Uh, right the, there's myself, Sam Johnson, 83-year-old founder, 84. He'll be 84 next month. 84-year-old founder of Priority One, and that's Dr. Jepte, who heads up all the schools. Just keep going. This is the kitchen. Y'all are excited about a cookout today? This is where they get to cook every day. We got one more picture, I think. This is a modern kitchen because they're covered. But they're willing to do that because they believe in their nation. And we're not showing you pictures. Here, here's the last thing. The last thing I would want to do is show you pictures and stir your emotions and you give out of emotion. I show you the pictures for information's sake. I show you the pictures to, to share with you that there are called people that are wanting to make a difference in their own nation, that are willing to come and live sacrificially, but they need dorm rooms. And I don't want you to give out of emotion today. In fact, I, I don't know how Pastor Drew's going to do it, so I'll tell him. <laughs> I am his mentor. I'm glad to know that. No. If you, if you don't know what to give today, don't give. Pray about it. Come back. Come back next week. Go online. Come back. He'll tell you how to do that. Give out of obedience, not because you give out of emotion, you're on your own. But you give out of obedience, you locked in partnership with God. And it makes all the difference in the world. Thirdly, so that living is not only all in and personal and proportional, so that living is supernatural. I love this, 8, 2, and 3. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, kind of sounds like COVID and then the Biden administration. Well, uh, I shouldn't have said it. Well, uh, that was not under the anointing, and I apologize. But out of their severe trial, extreme poverty, well up in rich generosity. For I testify, listen to this, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. 
2 Corinthians 9, 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. When you give in obedience to God, not because I ask you to, not because your emotions were stirred, but when you respond to the Spirit of the Lord, challenge you to give, you are setting a miracle of supply in motion. God is going to do something through you that was humanly impossible. Listen, never allow your limitations to limit what God can do through you. God took five loaves and two fish and he used them to feed a multitude. And he's still doing that today. When Nancy and I, I'm hurrying, when Nancy and I were praying about retirement, we had saved, well, we hadn't invested it as wisely as we could have, but we had saved, and we knew that our basic needs would be okay in, during retirement. But the thing that bothered us is that we love missions. And missions has always been, please understand my heart. I'm just sharing I've shared a lot of my bad. I'll share one thing that we've done right. We've always given extra to missions. And those last several years in Jackson, we would tithe to the local church, and then we would give another 10 to 20 to 25% on top of that to missions. And we were glad to do so. And the thing that worried us, and there was a point of worry, going into retirement was, Lord, how are we going to give to missions? We'll always tithe because that's based on a percentage. But how, what about missions? Can, let me just give you a praise report. Three and a half years into retirement, we have not yet had to touch our retirement funds. We continue to tithe. And last year, God enabled us to give more to missions than we've ever given in one year in our life. See, because God made it possible. And this year, we're committed to build one of those dorms, $12,500 ourselves. Why? Because we believe in the mission, and we know that when we step out in faith, God supernaturally supplies. You say, how have you been able to do that? I don't know. I can't explain it. When you put the numbers on paper, it's impossible. But when you look back, you go, somehow it was the, 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 the stirring the impossibility, done. That's the way God works. He stirs your heart. You look at it and say it's impossible. And God says it's done because he, you stepped out in faith. You stepped out in faith. Now, now here's the challenge. And I don't know, I'll just be as honest as I can because I'm trying to help because I really do love this church. And... Uh, when you step out, God always steps up, and you'll begin to see finances come in ways that you didn't expect. One church last year, a couple made a pledge of $1,000 and didn't have it, didn't know where it was going to come from, was fearful for their job, and the next week got a $10,000 bonus. Now, I can tell you, I've stepped up and stepped out, and I've seen that kind of provision a few times, but I can also tell you I haven't seen that kind of provision a lot of times. That sometimes it's an instant miracle, and sometimes it's a daily bread miracle where God provides over. You just, it's like manna in the wilderness. It's just enough. The pledge comes due. It's just enough. It's just enough. It's just enough. But when you step out, Here's, here's, here's the thing. The enemy comes because you'll begin to see God's blessings in your life. And some of you may get a raise. Some of you may get a bonus. Some of you may get an insurance check you didn't expect, unexpected inheritance. And then all of a sudden you go, wow. And then you begin to remember the things you've been wanting. That new car. That new grill. Just looking over here just in case. No, I don't know. What, you know what I'm saying? And that's when you have to remember that the provision, and God's not against new cars. God's not against new, God doesn't mind us prospering, but God prospers us so that 
we can pass it on to others. One of the most powerful mission stories I ever heard was by a classmate of mine who's served most of his ministry in the southern part of Africa, Botswana and Lesotho, South Africa, those different nations. And when Steve and Glenda, they, they do a lot of uh, well drilling now to help people find water because it's so important to life. And they went to one village, and the village was drought-stricken. And when they got there, they saw the bloated bellies on the babies. You've all seen it on TV. It was heart-wrenching. And while they were there, a humanitarian group came into the village with a big truckload of grain. And the people started shouting, rejoicing, because they had food. Some of them, it would be the first time in months that they really had anything to sustain. And then all of a sudden, Steve said, the rejoicing turned to tears. He said, I didn't understand it. So I went to the village chief and he said, why are people weeping? And the chief explained, he said, because now they have to decide, will they eat the grain and get nourishment for a day or two or three, or will they trust God and plant the grain, believing that water will come and that they'll have a harvest for the future? And sometimes that's our choice. And it's a matter, see, giving is always about faith. And my challenge is don't eat your seed. When God gives you seed, sow the seed, believing that he's going to send the rain, that the latter rain, that we on Pentecost Sunday we should be able to believe that more than any other time. Don't eat your seed. And the final, final, final point, sow that living is committed. Is committed. Goes all in, it's personal, proportional, it's supernatural, and it's committed. 8.11 says this, now finish the work. Everybody say finish. finish. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. And again, I caution you today to give out of obedience, not emotions. Emotions cool off and God is not interested and what you might do, he's interested in what you do. And he wants you to finish the work. When our girls uh, who went to Lee, one was just ahead of Drew and Kristen, and one was right, right in the same class with them. When they were there, we decided to take a family vacation cruise. Nancy and I had been on a couple cruises, but they had never been on a cruise. So we said, hey, go with us. Well, we just did a three-day cruise out of New Orleans. And we told them, we told them, I said, here's the rules. Because no college girls want to be seen with their parents on a cruise. All right? So we said, you don't have to hang around us except in the evenings, the three dinners that we'll be on board for. And we'll, we'll eat dinner, and then during the day, you can do whatever you want to. And uh, so our youngest, she, the one that graduated with during Kristen, she would uh, go to the pool. She loves sunbathing. And the oldest, she's the attorney in, in D.C., and she would just find a place and read. And I had taken a book called A Hole in Our Gospel, one of the most impactful, probably the most impactful book I've ever read. It's by um, Richard Stearns, who was president of Linux Corporation. So impactful, I had to ask his name. But Linux Corporation, you know what Linux Corporation, it's fine china. It's China that you can buy at Hobby Lobby for a dollar a plate, but you can pay $100 a plate for Linux. It's all about everything you don't need. And it was his journey from becoming, leaving that to becoming president of World Vision, which is a humanitarian Christian organization that feeds millions around the world. And I'd sit on a luxury liner reading this book, and i so moved by what I touched, I, I just bawl. Right there on the ship, I'd just bawl and be embarrassed. And then at night when we'd get together, I'd, I'd tell the story to Nancy and to, the, and to the girls. I'd say, well, this is what I read. And on the third night, the last night, Jamie looks at me, the, the lawyer looks at me, and she goes, oh, Dad, you'll get over it. it made me mad. I hate it when she's like her mama's side of the family. <laughs> No, that's probably more like me. 
You know why it made me mad? Because it was true. Because we do get over it. That's the American thing. We're stirred. We see the pictures. Ray Boltz wrote a song years ago about thank you. He said a missionary came and his pictures made me cry. But we don't do anything about it. And I pray that you'll never get over it. I pray that you'll never get over it, that you'll finish the work, that whatever God asks you to do, God may be speaking to some of you today and saying, you could build a room. You say, well, I don't know how we could do that. That's the point. You can't, but God can do it through you. And it may not happen today or even next week, but if, if God speaks that, you step out in faith and do it. And in some of you, it may be like that boy in Lawrenceburg that gave everything he had, $20. Just do what God says, but do it. That's the point. You just do it. One more so that in 2 Corinthians. Chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about him emptying himself. Paul, call, you know, Paul writes about it to the Philippian church. It's when he, he's in heaven, and he gives all that up and comes to the earth. Though he was rich, he became poor. So that. Why did he do that? So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Reminds me of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He so loved that he gave. Why? Because he believed in you. Because he believed in me. And he wanted us to have what only he could provide for us. And the only way he could provide it was with his willing sacrifice of himself to pay for your sin, my sin, for all of our sins. And if you're here today... That's where it begins. God's not asking you to give him anything until you've given him your sins and given him your life. And if you're here today, you say, well, Pastor, I don't know a lot of what you're talking about. I, maybe this first time being here, maybe you've been here every week. I want you to know God loves you so much that he gave his son so that we could have life. I'm not up here because I'm perfect. God can tell you, God can tell you, but Nancy can tell you too. I'm far from perfect, but I'm forgiven. If you need forgiveness, let's pray right now. Would you do that with me? Father, we come in the precious name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can become what we never have hope of in our own strength. And that's forgiven, righteous before you. Thank you that though our sins, Lord, are filthy and dirty, through Jesus Christ, they were paid for. The penalty has been paid in full. And Lord, we thank you for that. So I pray for those today. If you're here, just tell him, Lord, I need your forgiveness. Lord, I'm opening my life to you. I ask you to come in, not because I'm worthy, but because you're good. And cleanse me and forgive me. And help me to live for you. Help me to make this day a fresh start to live for you forever. And, Lord, we're believing that out of this day, people's lives are going to be changed for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, then you need to talk with Pastor Drew or uh, one of the guys, one of the, one of the leaders of church, man or woman, afterwards. The most unusual trip that I've ever taken as a, on a missions trip was with Union University Lady Bulldog basketball team. Union University is a Southern Baptist school in Jackson where I pastored for 27 years. And the coach, both the men and the women's coach came to church and uh, were a big part of our church. And the girls team, they were phenomenal. They won NAIA, which is lower than like the Lady Vols, different division. They won six national titles. And uh, Coach Mark had one of the winningest records of all coaches in America. And he wanted them to know that life had more to it than basketball. So he encouraged them to each raise a couple thousand dollars for a trip to Uganda to visit in the orphanages. And he asked me and a few other guys to go to kind of chaffer. 
And it was wonderful. We loved the girls, loved being with them. All of them had been to our house many times, and so it was, it was fun being like a daddy. And uh, But we all, they, they asked us to pack a backpack with our clothes, and then the carry-on suitcase to fill with stuff we'd give away. Clothes, candy, toiletries, whatever we could take. And then they took, I don't know how many duffel bags full of supplies to give away. And every day it was the same thing. We'd pull into an orphanage, we'd get out, the kids would come running, we'd love on them, we'd play, we'd toss them in the air, catch most of them. We, we, I mean, we, we would we'd do whatever we could. And then a couple of the girls, different every time, would share a devotion, give them an opportunity, the kids would pray. And then we'd pass out candy, clothes, soap, whatever. We did that day after day, and it's the last day, and we're pulling in to the last, we're pulling into an opening in this wooded area, and we're all like, why are we here? There's no buildings. They said, you'll see. We get out, and a couple hundred kids come out from the woods, just, just swarming us, just like every other orphan. And, and so we did. We did the same thing. We played with them. We loved on them. The girls did a devotion. We, at this time, we gave everything we had. There wasn't anything left in anybody's bag. And it's time to go. Get on the bus, and I sit behind the bus driver, one empty row in front of us, then me. And this fifth, I, I guess him to be 15, 14 or 15-year-old Ugandan boy, comes up to the window. He's just clothed with some jeans, no shoes, no shirt. And he looks at me and goes, hey, mister. He said, give me some candy. I said, oh, man, I'd love to. I said, I, I wish I could, but we don't have any candy. We gave it all out. We gave it all. He said, hey, mister, give me one of those hats, Red Union hats. I said, man, we, we don't have any hats. We gave every one of them out. He said, hey, mister, give me some soap. He said that. Give me some soap. And I'm about in tears at this moment. And I go, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I'm sorry. And he turned to walk away. And then he turned back and he looked at me. And I never have been able to forget his eyes. And I pray I never will. And he looked at me and he said this. Hey, mister, just give me something that will help me. And on behalf of a couple thousand Burkina Faso young adults that have said yes to the Lord, we're willing to go, we're willing to train, we're willing to be equipped. Would you give us something that will help us? Will you help us build a dorm? Thank you for whatever you can do. If you'll be faithful, that's all that we ask. Whether it's a thousand dollars or thousands of dollars, doesn't matter. It's doing what God's asked us to do. Thank you, Pastor Drew, for letting me share. our ushers to come forward typically I'd come up here and I revamp something that he said but um, I don't think that's necessary today I don't think there's much I can add to it I will say this just as a testimony sort of in accordance with what Pastor Randy has always already said I know that giving financially might be the most difficult thing asked to do as followers of Jesus. That's probably why the scriptures tell us where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But when I became a Christian at 15 years old, my pastor came to me. I was working at Piggly Wiggly grocery store making $5.10 an hour. Usually brought home about $120 a week. I think my gross was about $140 said, Drew, and he, and he took his wallet out. This is, this is the pastor that led me to the Lord, discipling me as I'm fronting shelves in a grocery store. And he said, if you will, he said, if you will give the Lord this, and he pointed to his wallet, he said, everything else will come a lot easier. And he talked to me about tithing. And he told me, he said, you tithe on your gross because 
You don't give God what's left after the government takes their cut. <laughs> That's what he taught me. That's what I've always done, and I've always given the missions. Kristen and I were, had been married for about six months, and our rent was $500 a month. Our monthly income was about $1,200 a month. tough. It was hard. And she needed some repairs done on her car. Her brother had given her the car and it was it was in need of some work. We didn't have any money. I mean, when I say we didn't have any money, I don't mean like we, you know, didn't have a lot of money. I mean, we were, you know, floating those checks, just praying, Lord, let the mail take its time. Can I get a witness in the house today? One day I open the mailbox and there's a letter from the IRS. Come on, how many of you know that's not good news, right? Like, that's not what I need. <laughs> but there was a letter and it was directing me to something and a few different things. Come to find out my dad was owed about $4,000 of workman's comp back pay that had never been delivered to him from 1992. This was 2009. So that, that money was already direct deposited in my checking account. I didn't even know it was there. And I, I'm not saying that today if you give, you're going to get. Because that's bad theology. And I know a lot of people rest hard on that. But that's bad preaching. That's bad theology. It's not true. It abuses the truth about reaping and so, And it doesn't enforce the truth. But I do believe that the Lord saw my need. He saw our continued faithfulness. Because we still tithed, we still gave, and we still gave the missions. We were giving $25 a month to missions. And guys, that was hard to do. And that was above and beyond our tithe, $25 a month. And I believe the Lord said, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna bless you. And he's continued to do so. I could, I could take up another hour. I won't do it. I could take up another hour. And I could tell you time and time again where the Lord has come through for us and where he's blessed us. I'm not saying that if you give, you'll get, but I am saying that if you give and you'll do it with the right heart and you'll do it from the right place, the Lord will continue to bless you so that you can, can continue to give. So we don't give to get at Lifehouse Church. We give to give. We give to give. Father, we thank you for the opportunity, for the opportunity today to sow into your kingdom, to sow into priority one. We thank you for this word. We thank you for this message. God, we ask you that, that you would bless every gift and every giver. Lord, today we're not depending on checks coming in the mail, but Father, we are depending on you. We know that priority one is good soil, and God, we're not going to eat our seed today, but Lord, we want to plant it. And you promise us in your word. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man sows, that shall, that shall he also reap. This Lord, today as we sow in faith, God, I pray that we will reap in joy. In Jesus' name, amen.